Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Matt Lombardi and Kevin Moran, who are the co-founders of Beam, which is a wellness company that offers THC-free CBD products made from naturally grown hemp in Colorado, and they built this company with an entrepreneurial spirit in mind, marrying the concepts of health, wellness, and active lifestyle, free of any physical or mental barriers. And in this episode, we go through the early stages of the company, the early product, the early customer acquisition strategy, how that evolved over time, their decision to work with an agency versus handling things in-house on the advertising side of things, how they went about building an influencer program for Beam. They've worked with a number of well-known people like Matt Frazier, who is one of the CrossFit legends now at this point, Danica Patrick, and more how they got funding for this company, including an initial family and friends round of around $700,000, how they now obtain the highest quality product possible, what their roles as co-founders has evolved into over time, the communication between them as co-founders. This is a unique episode having both the co-founders on the show, and we go through so many different topics. I hope you enjoy. As always, these show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. All the things mentioned to this, in this episode, different links and everything will be there. And you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hawk Media, a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California, providing guidance, planning, and execution to grow brands of all sizes, industries, and business models. Hawk Media is recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest-growing marketing consultancies, and their collaborative process, a la carte offering, and month-to-month fee structure give clients the flexibility they need to boost digital revenues and marketing ROI. Hawk Media, the company, has serviced over 1,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups like Tomorrow Melon, SIO Beauty, and Bottle Keeper, to household names like Red Bull, Verizon Wireless, and Alibaba. And also, I had the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, on the podcast in episode number 23, if you want to take a listen. And to get a free consultation, head on over to hawkmedia.com and be sure to mention Just Go Grind. Without further ado, here are Matt and Kevin, the co-founders of Beam, which you can find at beamtlc.com. Matt and Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Excited to have you on here and obviously talking about Beam. And I love giving context for for people as well who aren't familiar. So if you guys could give context on what Beam is, kind of some of the, the things you guys offer there as well. Um, yeah, I, I can I can drop in and then Matt, add anything you want. This is Kevin. Um, so we're a wellness company based out of Boston. Our focus right now is on uh, CBD products. We launched a couple of years ago, but um, our core ingredient is CBD. And then we stack it across other functional ingredients, uh, adaptogens, minerals, compounds, and we have different products to kind of meet you wherever you are in that, that point of the day. Yeah, just to, just to add to that too, you know, Kevin and I, I'm sure we'll get into this, but Kevin and I's background, um, we both used to be the athletes. Kevin and I met at Boston College. Kevin played baseball. Uh, I played hockey. We played professionally for a number of years. And fast forward to 2018, we're both training for the Boston Marathon and we're reading about CBD and just became really curious about it, but also... I would say skeptical, like general <laughs> consumer. Um, yeah. And the, the interesting thing was just realizing, you know, profound benefits in both of our personal lives as we're, you know, experimenting and trying different products, different brands, um, and really just seeing this whole, you know, athletic active lifestyle space, you know, interested in this, but also it just didn't really seem to resonate the time, you know, does it have THC in it? Will I feel a drug test? And you know, with Beam, we've we've done an interesting, um, we've taken an interesting approach, really, of creating a sort of 360 approach to people's health and wellness um, through different categories and how we create products. But like Kevin said, you know, we consider ourselves more more of a wellness company than anything. Yeah, and with that too, well, one thing I want to dive into, just from the standpoint of starting the company, is how did you guys decide that together that like you wanted to actually start this? Because for other entrepreneurs out there who are maybe starting something, finding a co-founder is obviously so so difficult. Uh, what was that conversation like around, hey, let's actually start a company around what we want to do with this wellness thing? We, to Matt's point, we met at Boston College. We were more acquaintances um, and not, as opposed to, to really good friends. And we took different paths in life after baseball and hockey. And ultimately, I'll give you the short story. I ended up moving back to Boston and Matt and I, and I reconnected. We lived in the same apartment building. And we just had a really shared passion for wellness and 
Um, we knew we wanted to have, you know, a business that could be obviously both profitable as a business, but very purpose driven. Um, so we looked at a few different things and uh, kind of kicked the tires on some things and nothing really <laughs> made sense. And then um, this came along, we started to explore the space, uh, talk to different athletes and um, it was very gray and misunderstood. And we thought there was a really strong wellness application with CBD. So uh, we just, we just kind of got cracking. I mean, just from the conversation of how do we do this together and, and what is this going to look like, you know, in reality, but also on paper, it was, it was, we just had a very shared set of values, which is really important with anything in life, particularly with the business partner. But um, we often mention that we, we go about things very differently, but ultimately kind of end up in the same place. So I would just say to your question on how do you, you know, pick the right partner? It's, I'd say like, you really have to have a very similar core as it pertains to the values that you have. I just say be really comfortable to have honest direct communication. Um, you know, I, I think it's just a recipe for disaster if you're if you have a business partner, uh, and really, you know, even in relationships. But in the context of Beam, I think one of the things that allows Kevin and I to to thrive as as co-founders and leaders of the company is just our and our team can attest to it for sure. Um, listening to us discuss certain topics, but really just being super super direct and honest, always respectful, but. Um, you know, we, we cut to the chase when we communicate. And I think that's really helped us. Yeah. And one of the things that Kevin, you had mentioned is just, uh, just around with this in the beginning, talking to customers and talking to athletes to get an idea of, you know, what was this space? What did it look like? Where were the opportunities? What were some of those questions you were asking or things you were trying to discover and figure out before you kind of started the company? Yeah. You know, the, the cool thing about CBD is, it was, especially when we started, I, you know, you could argue that it's becoming more understood, but still widely misunderstood by the general population, <laughs> particularly um, by the athletic market. Um, we ha- we started asking like super topical questions. You know, do you know what the difference between CBD and THC is? Is this, you think this is going to get you high? Do you think you're going to fill a drug test? Like really topical, important questions that, you know, when we were athletes, it would automatically disqualify something if you didn't know the answer to that. So yeah, <laughs> started, talk, started talking to them. And then once we explained to them the details, how it works, where it comes from, um, what it is, and we can get into all of those things, you know, if you'd like in subsequent part of the conversation, but they started to, you know, then we, once we kind of took those layers back, it was, okay, well, what is this going to do for me? How is it going to help me perform better, um, recover better, all of those things. And the, the initial questions, like I said, are just very topical and just the ones that we got often, oftentimes from, from general consumers of this is going to get me high, is this going to make me fall asleep, all, all of those things. I think too, you know, we just looked at, at, at the space and the big thing too is like, how do we educate people and how do we take something that right now, because of the different products and brands that exist in the market today are very, very closely tied to its cousin THC. And which, you know, leads into a lot of the stigmas that it has. And so it's like, how do we take this and really pioneer it to be this, um, you know, lifestyle supplement that uh, anyone just trying to live a happier, healthier life can use from athletes. And again, we just say we're at this intersection of athletics and active lifestyle. Um, And it it really led us down the path of thinking more innovatively through a product, stacking in with more functional ingredients, um, you know, coming up with a brand that was very outside the norm of what you saw in the space. and so again, like those are, I would say that was sort of the foundation. It's been, <clears throat> it's been almost two years now since we launched. And so a lot has happened in the last two years to then go <laughs> execute on that and evolve that and refine it. Um, but it, what, what, what is interesting though, is our initial insights and, you know, ideas from, from day one, again, they've evolved, they've been refined and we probably worked with it a little bit now, but it's really still at the core of what we're doing, um, which has been pretty neat to see. Yeah. And I want to go through that growth story as well, but I always love talking about the beginning and like what the kind of initial version of things looked like. So understanding that you have this idea, you want to get involved in this space. What was maybe the the first product you launched or kind of the initial, uh, you know, what, what was beam in, in the beginning for people who are, are... Beam was, was Matt and I, uh, I had, I had a full-time job and Matt was in the midst of another venture, but beam in the beginning was Matt and I walking around with the table we bought on Wayfair and <laughs> this seaport in Boston going to well, basically going anywhere that anyone will let us put the table. Um, Amazing. <laughs> we had a feature and a topical and um, just getting as much customer feedback as we could. And that would, you know, if that was a coffee shop that would let us in from six to 7am, we would do that. Or if it was a yoga studio that would let us come from seven to 8pm for the yoga class, like anytime we could, we could potentially stand in front of a customer and we did it. 
even just on that, Kevin, uh, it just reminded me when we went to Drew's house. So we had we had an investor who's a great, oh, just Drew Harrington. He founded Yasso Ice Cream, and he's, he's a great friend. He's involved in the brand. We love him. Um, really, really smart guy. Super successful. But at the early, early stages, we had gotten connected to him, and we're having a hard time getting on his calendar. We're trying to raise our initial funding, which is mostly just friends and family and some strategic people like Drew, and we just could not find time to meet with him again. And finally. We had a, a meeting scheduled on Friday, and sure enough, I think Thursday night or something, like, "Hey guys, sorry, I can't meet tomorrow. Um, I, you know, can we push this a couple of weeks?" We're like, "No, like we have to see." He's like, "Whatever works tomorrow, like we'll be there." He's like, "You can come by my house at six a.m. tomorrow if you want. That's my only window is like six to six thirty." And he's like, "All right, we'll see you in the morning." So he showed up at his yeah. house in uh, in the suburbs at six in the morning. We had coffee with him, sat in his office, and long story short, there he's become. Uh, a big part of the brand and, and a, a really big resource and uh, mentor to Kevin and I, but yeah. <laughs> over the early days. We did a lot of the stuff that we laugh about now. Like I, we were at, we had dinner with Drew the other night, actually, and we were talking about this little place in Boston. It's like a sandwich shop. And I went in there and met with them and tried to get them to carry our products. And the guy's just like, dude, like we sell sandwiches. Like, I don't, <laughs> don't care. No, how about we leave it on consignment? I was like, all right. So it was there was a lot of that in the beginning. Not to, you know, I love it. The question you were looking for. No, it's perfect. I love hearing those those early days stories. It's always so funny to look back on that and what the, like, the initial thing was. And I've had so many different guests on the show talk about selling door to door, cold calling, cold emailing, you know, whatever it is, just to try to get those kind of first initial mm-hmm. customers. And even in the early days of Beam as well. I mean, how did you source your products initially? And like, what was that product you had at the tables early on? Mm-hmm. I always say a lot of really bad conversations um, <laughs> because like it was really hard. This industry, which gave us an opportunity to differentiate in our minds, really, really difficult to find um, quality manufacturers and partners to work with. Um, it's not like you about to answer, Matt. And I'll, I'll just finish on this. We initially, we, we didn't have any money when we launched too, from a brand perspective. So we needed to, to iterate pretty quickly. So we initially, it was always important to us. We always thought innovation was going to be king in the space. Like I said, initially here when we first came on where we wanted to have functional products stacked with other ingredients plus CBD. But initially it was um, just a tincture, which is, uh, you know, a traditional CBD oil you're used to seeing um, and a topical lotion because those were the easiest things for us to get to market and build the brand. Um, yeah, no. And, and with that, like we, again, we, we eventually had our, you know, um, have success so we could get into what we're able to do now. Um, but at the early stage, it was, you know, sometimes those, don't, those just aren't reasonable things. You can't always have it the perfect way you want to have it. Um, you know, so there are certain things like we had to at least get the brand to a point where, you know, we're really confident and excited about it and we, we nailed the aesthetic. Uh, and then in terms of just the quality of product, again, like we couldn't, we didn't have the capital and, um, you know, the infrastructure to really be doing some of the stuff that we're doing today from an innovation standpoint, but it's like, okay, you know, at least how do we execute on the best oil? We know we want to lean into athletes and active lifestyles, people who don't want THC in their products. So how do we lean into the best THC free product that we can get in the sourcing stuff? We always keep, you know, close to our chest, but the net of it was, was we just became obsessed with trying to figure out, like Kevin said, we had a lot of bad conversations, obviously a couple of good ones. (laughs) Um, But we didn't come from a manufacturing background or, you know, by, you know, science, biology, anything like that. So we really just had to really self-educate ourselves and um, just start talking to people uh, is kind of the, the gist of it. Yeah. And I know now you have, I mean, you, at least on the website and everything, like balance, performance, recovery, sleep. What was the angle you were taking initially with that first product? Yeah, really just like a, it was like, we, we call it the one. And so it was sort of like a everything product because the way we can get into this if, if you want to, but CBD has such a broad menu of benefits to, to your health and yeah. really just that standalone oil product. We were at the time because it was our only product marketing it <laughs> as this everything oil. Um, but as we continue to evolve and expand and grow and learn from our customers, you know, we're hearing such consistent pain points from people around stress, anxiety, inflammation, digestion, sleep, um, you know, how do we now start to really cater to these pain points? So for us, the idea of creating these, what we call the beam for these product categories of balance, which we, for us is, you know, keeping your body in balance, stress, anxiety, digestion, those types of things, uh, performance, which is anything around your focus, your energy, you know, your output, and then recovery, uh, from inflammation, injuries, aches and pains, sleep, obviously, you know, better sleep. 
that's how for us, we're able to then say, what's the best way that we can create sort of this 360 approach? You know, it's so important to have CBD and all these different products, but at the same time, if someone's really struggling with sleep or recovery from workouts, um, why don't we create products that really lean into that? So that led us down the path of not only is there CBD in this, but there's this whole other list of active ingredients that also help promote those benefits. And for us, it's a great way as we begin to innovate, to simplify our current lineup of products. So when you go to our website today, you'll see how all of our products are categorized based on the functions that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, but the really exciting stuff is then how that shapes and influences the future of beam and say, okay, if we believe these are the four main pillars of health, we want to impact for people. You know, what are the other types of products that we can create within this focused approach to do so? So it's for us, it was, it was something we actually just unveiled or updated to our branding uh, a few weeks ago or the beginning of September. But um, it's really exciting as we look towards the future of Beam too. And and I'm curious with, with Beam as well, you kind of mentioned this a couple times already with the brand. I mean, how have you guys thought through the brand and really standing out in this space? Because it seems like you've done a great job of that so far, but I'm really curious as to how you've thought about that along the way. It was really intentional in the beginning. Uh, we did a lot of things really, really quickly and got to market quickly, but that wasn't one of them. That was very thoughtful around the, just like all the way down from like the, the font to the way, to the name of the company, to the way that it was presented, the colors, all of those things. And now more so than ever in this space, uh, people judge a book by its cover. Uh, yeah. So we, we knew that we didn't want the brand to be with the demographic that we were going after. And obviously our, our athletic backgrounds, we knew the brand, uh, well, the product had to be super efficacious and had to meet the highest quality standards you could possibly find. And then also we knew that the brand had to be friendly and approachable and neutral and soft and um, kind of a ray of light in a gray space. So um, it just took you know multiple iterations and, Candidly, a lot of money, or at least at that time, to get it right. Um, but that was that was definitely super intentional. We 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 wanted the brand to appeal to the hardcore CrossFit athletes, so like uh, Matt Fraser and Tia Claire Toomey, who are the the best CrossFit athletes in the world. Yeah, um, they're willing to work with the brand, but also we wanted to hit, um, you know, a young family, um, but also a you know a yogi, whoever it is, and, and have the brand speak to both people. We we've kind of coined the term. Um, the Nike of wellness. So you think of Nike, they create products that meet the, the needs in a brand that meets the needs of the 1% in terms of the best athletes in the world, but also most people have a pair of Nikes. Um, yeah. That's kind of how we've tried to, tried to approach it. So, and with that point then, so that's, that's how the brand has evolved into kind of how you thought about it. And I think that's a super important point you mentioned, like Nike says, like, you know, there's a brand for athletes and everyone's an athlete. It's an interesting thing mm -hmm. how they have gone about that. And, and one of the things that I think is really important to look at as well with this company, going back to the early days again, and I kind of like to go from early to late, but your customer acquisition, like you have this idea for a company, how are you actually getting customers early on? How's it evolved? <laughs> early, early on, it was what Kevin was describing. Um, you know, it just boots on the ground, selling out of the trunk of the car. I remember one time I, I gave, uh, also just like hand to hand. So I, you know, I had a friend from my CrossFit gym, um, you know, buy some tinctures and I get a group text connecting me to one of his friends, you know, and none of it was, I, this is like on our first month, you know, I met her in a parking lot of a Dunkin' Donuts. It's pouring rain outside. So I get out of my car, <laughs> I get into her car, I give her three bottles of the oil. She gives me cash. I get out. Um, <laughs> so kind of <laughs> evolving from that, um, you know, we launched our website. So 2019, um, you know, it was all direct to consumer e-com. And um, it, it, I would say it's just, you know, the main channels, it's, it's really more about then how you execute those and approach those, you know, from Facebook ads, you know, building an influencer program, um, creating unique partnerships and also just testing, experimenting a lot. Um, it's kind of just rapid evolving, you know, try something, iterate on it. What did you learn from it? Was it successful? Was it not? If it wasn't, toss it, keep focusing on the things that work, keep trying new things to learn. I'd say it's just a constant, you know, evolving machine like that. And as we've grown, as we've grown to it's, I mean, obviously the, we're almost entirely direct to consumer right now. We've pretty much been in every digital channel you possibly can. And <laughs> and now we're looking at, you know, daily dashboards and tracking CPA and, and all the metrics that, um, you know, grow a healthy business. So it's come a long way from being in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. To <laughs> it's evolved. Yeah. It's evolved yeah. a bit since. Did you end up deciding to handle that in-house or outsource to an agency? From a... From, from a, a customer? Yeah, digital marketing standpoint. Uh, a combination of the two. Um, it's all done in-house now. The last six months or so, we've done everything in-house, but... We've worked with a few different agencies over the last couple of years. 
With that process, I mean, how did you decide to think through that? I think it's, I want to ask because I've, I've talked to a number of direct-to-consumer companies who have kind of gone back and forth and flip-flop between agency versus in-house. Uh, how have you guys at least thought through that decision? Well, agencies are really valuable in a, in a lot of ways because um, you can bring them in and out of the business, to be frank. Um, yeah. And, you know, they bring really, really pointed expertise. Um but at the same time, like our in-house team is working with them. And at some point, like we've, we've kind of, you know, we challenge a team to be sponges and we've acquired a lot of knowledge from them. Um, and it just doesn't, at some point, the, the numbers just don't make sense if the, in terms of, um, you know, what they need. Obviously, of course, like any other business, they have to make a margin on the services they're providing you. And, you know, once we've acquired a lot of knowledge from that particular agency, <laughs> doesn't really make a lot of sense to continue the relationship. And I think that, I think that's kind of the agency model to a degree. Maybe I'm over rotated on that, but I mean, that's kind of expected that there'll be some churn from a customer perspective with them. I don't know, Matt, if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, also thinking to just the stage of the company when we're really early on, I think the great thing, and even Kevin and I now have the opportunity to chat with a lot of early stage founders as well. <clears throat> and a lot of times through our experience, what we found is a great try before you buy method. So, you know, yeah. Alyssa, who's our director of growth marketing, she was just a contractor to begin with. And then, you know, when you're such a small team, you know, working with contractors is so great because it's much more cost efficient. You can, you know, when you haven't made any full-time hires that you really want to be careful who your first employees are and gave us a great opportunity. Now she's, she's our first hire and she's an amazing teammate uh, of ours and she does a great job. And we kind of stay in that model of try before you buy. We have several people on our team who have again started out in, in a contract basis and then eventually became full-time and now as we've scaled a little bit which to the point what kevin was just making is it's nice now for Alyssa to then go manage a small group of contractors and different um you know focuses around retention or facebook or different things like that and yeah when you everybody's going to bring a different point of view a different skill set and you can kind of suck the value out of them and then you know continue on or maybe you just continue to evolve and move on to a new group where they can add some new value or new strategies or insights that we haven't thought of yet. And again, over time, you know, that role just might become in-house with time. But, you know, again, in the stage of the company, definitely we found a lot of value in, in working with contractors and then, you know, making some key hires internally who can then manage different agencies now that we, you know, have a bigger budget and, um, you know, are scaling. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to bring that up because it is something that a lot of companies have to kind of consider of what they want to do in-house versus agency. And I've worked at an agency before and have friends who run agencies as well. And uh, yeah, they expect churn. I mean, of course, you don't ex mm -hmm. expect to be with someone forever as an agency, knowing that yeah, you may have a sprint for you know, mm -hmm. 60, 90 days, whatever. You help them, they learn, but then they can also handle it from there if they have a team in-house. And especially like the point you made of the stage of the company as well, if you're early stage, but then yeah, once you, let's say you raise a series A, if, you, if you're going that route, or if you raise a series B, you know, it's going to be more of an in-house thing eventually in theory, uh, depending on who you're working with. And one thing that was mentioned as well is working with influencers. How have you gone about building your influencer program with, with Beam? Yeah, that's, I'll say one more other thing on the agencies. It's, it's actually a really fun time to build a business because, you know, 10, probably 15 years ago, there wasn't, there, those agencies didn't exist. You can find an agency for everything right now. In the stage of the company you're in, like you can really outsource a lot of the business um, and keep the team super nimble. So, yeah, it, it, the barriers to entry in terms of get, getting something off off the ground are, have probably been, never been faster or easier. Um, yeah, and as it pertains to influencers, that's definitely much more of an art than a science. I mean, art. Yeah, it's it's um, <laughs> it's it's really it's complicated because it's you know it's people, right? And um, Everybody, all influencers have different personalities and you're trying to, you know, acquire different things from each one of them and to meet the, the needs of the brand. It's been, we looked at, we had some agencies initially that supported us in that, but uh, ultimately those are probably the agencies that didn't work out the, the quickest, I would say, just because it was so, uh, we were really detailed on what we wanted and how we talked to partners about the brand and the terms of those potential deals and all of those things. But um there's a lot there. I mean, we have all sorts of different great, you know, partners in the brand. Danica Patrick's an investor. Um, Billy Horschel on the PGA Tour, a bunch of great athletes. Um, all the way, you know, to a handful of people that are, or multiple handfuls of people that, you know, are at Berries or SoulCycle that, you know, promote the products for 
um, you know, for free products. So there's all sorts of different <laughs> there. I'm mad if you want to add anything, but it's it's a it's a big marketing channel for us. Yeah, I mean, just at the core, um, you know, for us, it was understanding. You know, we wanted to build an aspirational brand, and yeah. you know, people, um, you know, trust the things that people are using of people that they you know admire, or look up to, and you know, athletes being such a source of inspiration for people and a trusted source, we really just lean into the idea of, you know, how can we find authentic, um, you know, trustworthy people to be representatives of the brand and also feel like Beam's a really good representative of their brand because of our values and, you know, the look and feel, the quality, the transparency. So, you know, there's there's so many nitty gritty details. And I also say it's probably not rocket science either, you know, on how to do that. But you know, for us, again, building an aspirational brand, it was really just people trust people that they look up to. And so how do we find people who we think are really good thought leaders or North stars in their categories or their field or, you know, are the best of the world in what they do. Um, and so we, we just really have leaned into that with, you know, bringing on partners and influencers to, to be sharing beam to their audience. Yeah. And just to dive a little bit deeper on that, I mean, because working with like the top CrossFit athletes in the world, you mentioned Danica Patrick, I'd be like, I mean, what... Why do you think they chose to work with you? Uh, or what was the pitch to even get them to do that? Because I mean, it's one thing you see this, it's not, I assume it's just not just easy just to get some of these people on board. What do you think that was influenced that in terms of getting them on board? Yeah, it's, um, it definitely isn't easy. And I think, you know, there's probably a couple of unique things um, for us in particular, I'd say even in the CBD category early on, but one was a great entry was the fact that Kevin and I were both professional athletes. Um, you know, it yeah. gives us a little bit of credibility and, and just understanding, okay, these guys used to be drug tested. They understand the importance of that. Um, they also, uh, you know, understand how important it is some of the things you put in your body and understand, you know, everything you do off the field or off the rink or, you know, off the court, how important that is. And um, interestingly enough, too, the other side was how many times you heard early, early on, we hear it a lot now today, too, but just, hey, the only, you know, we get, you know, five messages a, a day from CBD companies and we say no to all of them just because of the branding and how they look and feel, um, yeah. you know, love your guys brand. So it's been interesting how the combination of those two things, you know, the credibility that our backgrounds bring into the conversation, then just the appearance we often say, you know, people do judge a book by its cover when it comes to stuff like this. Um, and so that's why getting the packaging, the branding, the messaging, the aesthetic of it. So right. Uh, is so important because, um, people just take a look at it before they, you know, understand the founder story or what the products actually are, how they're created. They'll just look at the branding, the packaging, and you know, that creates the first yes or no right away. Yeah. And on that note, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but with running paid acquisition and, you know, you're doing whether Instagram ads or whatever it may be. And these, these different channels you're spending money on, if you don't have the brand, if you don't have something that stands out from that perspective as well, it, it makes it more difficult on everything. And especially in this type of space, I imagine, uh, where there is some like unknowns and people aren't sure about everything, like building that trust through having this brand. And then you just look at, oh, then you pay acquisition. You can see that you have Matthew Frazier, friends on board. You're like, oh, like the consumers, the trust is built from that. And uh, after kind of looking through and doing research on, on you guys, it was like, it kind of seemed like instantly like credible uh, from looking around at, at Beam as well. And and one thing I just want to touch on quick, just for other entrepreneurs who are wondering about starting something, I know you mentioned getting like a friends and family round of funding initially. I mean, how much was that family and friends round to get this company off the ground? If someone wants to you know, start a company and understand like what they need for a cash perspective, like how much was that initially? Um, well, it came, it came at, at different times um, as, as we were growing, but that that round ended up right around like what seven hundred grand, Matt. Yeah, but even just to get it going, you know, to be, I think, you know, we each put in ten k, right, just to get yeah. it, yeah. get the process going, and then to Kevin's point, that that round that ended up being around seven hundred, seven fifty, we were just collecting checks over the course of you know six to eight months of uh of launching beam so it wasn't like at the beginning we had seven hundred thousand dollars to inject <laughs> were you targeting a certain amount or how did you decide on on that exactly in this type of space like okay we need x amount but we'd love to get more like how are you thinking through that process a little bit of that but also people like drew as an example came into that round um matt mentioned him and um obviously he brings strategic value so as the company evolved and like we had you know, legitimate interest from from more serious investors. We started to think about the people that we could get in, and we obviously were starting to have a little bit of success at that point. In the very early days, it was um, 
you know, that was just really close friends and family just like really just taking a bet on us. Um, you know, we were not doing any revenue or, or right next to it. Yeah, that was obviously they will always be super grateful for that. But that wasn't a ton of money either. I'd say, you know, that was 50 to 100 grand, which I think I might have thought then thought that seemed like a ton of money. But in terms of something <laughs> like that, that's what you need, you know, just to it goes quicker than you think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely does. I think I've heard that uh, numerous times uh, on this show where people have mentioned raising 150k, 500k, and how fast they went through that initial funding, and then they'll raise you know a couple million in a, in a seed round or, or even a pre-seed, and then going to a Series A where well they've become bloated now. It depends on the Series A, but multiple millions obviously in that as well as they as they go through that. And and so have you continued to to raise? Or are you all off of uh, sales at this point? No, we, we raised around uh, a little, about a, 14, 15 months ago, led by Obvious Ventures, based out of San Francisco. Um, a $5 million round led by them, um, which I, I mentioned Danica participated in and a handful of other people. That was, we were really fortunate at that point to have a pretty competitive round. Yeah, I know. It's good to hear that because I want to hear the, I like to hear the progression of, of that and how the funding went. And now I, I would love to dig deeper into the product itself because like I said, there's a number of things you, you offer at this point. And, and how, I, to start with, with, this, with the product today, I mean, what have been kind of the challenges along the way? Because you're trying to get the highest quality product possible. I'm curious as to how that's gone for you guys. It's not easy. Well, I guess we could start with that. I think we've we've had our fair share of mistakes and hiccups and, you know, problems that arise. Uh, Kevin and I always just laugh every time we launch a new product. There hasn't been one clean launch. Of course, you know, <laughs> the consumer, our consumers and our community don't ever see sort of like the behind the scenes things. Um, but it's, <laughs> everyone comes with its own series of problems. Um, you know, I think the, and it kind of ties into, I think, to some of the branding and the messaging. And now as we build products, like we're building very, um, like functional, focused, purpose-driven products. One thing I think we've done well is that, you know, we, we have an idea and I think it's easy sometimes for founders to love their idea so much that they forget how to communicate that to a broader group of people. Maybe, you know, they can communicate it to a small group of people, but, and, you know, have it resonate, but to really understand to Kevin, what Kevin mentioned earlier is like, we're really trying to appeal to Matt Frazier and then all the other under the spectrum, you know, us or, you know, our moms or, uh, both of our sisters have young families or, you know, the everyday yogi, you know, going to soul cycle, just trying to live a more active lifestyle, not necessarily as intense as Matt Frazier trying to be the best CrossFit athlete in the world. But, you know, how do we speak to both of those audiences or, you know, Kevin and I being two male, you know, former athletes, how do we not just communicate to people like ourselves? Yeah. Um, and that, that really translates into, again, how we think of the product and like, what are the great benefits do we want to give this audience? And then how do we go about creating that product? So, it kind of, again, starts with understanding, you know, how to communicate with people properly, really understanding what their needs are. Again, we didn't have people come to us specifically saying, make these, you know, Dream, which has been a great product for us, which is for sleep. We don't, we, you know, it wasn't so much like people specifically giving too much of a hint that we need that. It's more really understanding the common threads between people and, you know, reading between the lines a little bit of like what, you know, I, I think um, earlier in the conversation, you know, I think you were just commenting on Nike saying like, everybody's an athlete. Our thing was everybody can be better at whatever it is that they're doing again, whether you're mad or a yogi. Uh, yeah. And so that's kind of like at our core of how we dictated the brand, but also just our products, like what are the products that we think can help Matt be better, but also, you know, a young female yogi who's just like the opposite of that spectrum of Matt. With it as well, understand that you, you've grown to this point and with looking at new products and the evolution of these as well, there's a team behind this. So how have you gone about growing the team for Beam along the way as well? We have um, about 13 full-time people now. Um, yeah, Max. Max is our director of innovation from a, from a product standpoint, but we also have folks on the marketing and finance and fulfillment side of the team. And um, we've just kind of taken it as it comes. I mean, we look for, I think as a, in a startup, there's... This, it's really hard to, to find good people because obviously you can't pay them market. So yeah. I've you know, filled this term, I forget who I stole it from, but you're either going to be a mercenary or a missionary. And we identify early on that, you know, we need to, at this stage of the company, find people that are very mission driven. So find those missionaries. You don't need people that um, are very dollar and cents driven. So um, we've identified, I think, people that are really hungry for that, for the mission and the upside that Beam presents both personally and professionally, obviously. 
uh, and kind of hire people into those roles as, as we've been growing you know, and evolving. Uh, generally speaking, we probably hire people three to six months later than when we probably needed them. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, uh, we, everybody comes in and makes a really, really massive impact. Um, and I think both of us too are just, it's cool to be able to create something. It's cool and inspiring and humbling to create something and have a big dream about what you, what you think the potential could be and have people buy into it uh, with their own professional careers and um, kind of make it their own dream. So that's been one of the most rewarding things I would say about the process. Yeah. And with you guys as well, I mean, on the people note of it, you start this company, obviously you have an idea here and you're like, let's work together. Let's build this company. You've come a long ways since then, uh, you know, building the team, like I said, 13 people raised 5 million plus uh, in funding as well. How have your roles as co-founders evolved? I don't often have two of the co-founders on the show at the same time. So I'm curious as to how you guys would think about that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, going way, way back, it was just for both you and everything. Um, you know, I'd say we, you know, we're co-founders or we're both co-CEOs as well. And we're not huge believers in titles, but um, if you, if we had to share what our title is, that those, that's what that would be. But um, today, fast forwarding, you know, we have 13 people and a handful of contractors in a, a fast growing company. Um, I'd say I'm more, you know, branding and strategy. Kevin's more operations and revenue. Um, but I'd say the unique thing is that we've also are able to to help on both sides of the table and really contribute to each other. And it's not so much like I never cross over or am involved in conversations on the other side and, and vice versa with Kevin. Um, but I'd say that's probably where we focus more and spend some of our time and, and the conversations and different teammates that we work more closely with. But Kevin hinted earlier, um, you know, the great thing about collaborating with each other is that we approach things very differently, but you know, through really good conversations, open direct communication, when we aren't aligned on something, we end up coming to a really good resolution. Um, really, I would just say like being really good communicators with each other is the most important thing, despite, you know, if Kevin focuses more on a revenue, um, you know, targeting conversation, you know, versus a branding thing. Um, it's just the direct communication. Every Usually when you find problems within the team or especially with, with co-founders, it's usually because there's a communication issue. Yeah, I, I would just add on to that too. I, I, in terms of the people that are on the team too, we have, I'd say, very, very candid and direct conversations with love. Like we never would would have a conversation with someone just to to make them feel bad or put them in their place. But you know, if someone isn't doing something the way that the the company expects them to, like we will have a very honest and direct conversation with them, and we ex we expect the same from them. So. Um, you know, there have been times Matt and I wanted to make a decision that, you know, the two and I have talked about, the two of us have talked about something and said, okay, let's go do, let's go do X here. And people on the team that we trust have said, Hey, you guys, we, we shouldn't do this for these reasons and we don't do it. So I think that's a lot of what we want too. And I think what gets people excited about at the company is like, they really, really have a tremendous amount of ownership. Um, Matt and I are, are really experts in nothing. I would say we're definitely good at like, at you know, leading the team and, you know, creating the brand and um, being very topical of things. But the people that we've hired are smarter than us in all the areas that we hired them. So like, why would we not let them do their thing? So that's yeah. a lot of the culture here too. And Matt and I are the same way with each other to his point. On that communication note, I mean, what are some of the things you guys, I mean, do you have like regular, regular meetings, regular chats around it? I'm just curious, because again, this is kind of a unique thing to have two co-founders on the show. What does that communication look like for you on like a week to week, even day to day basis? Um, communications is, is uh, over communication. We talk way, I mean, Matt, like 15 times a day and like mm -hmm. it's nonstop. I think my wife's a little bit sick of it. <laughs> no, but I think in, in specifics too, just with Kevin and I, if there's ever something that we're not aligned on or we disagree on, uh, and honestly, it happens often. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it makes whatever the outcome decision makes it better because we look at it from different angles. Yeah. Um, but it's just a simple principle of like, if you don't communicate, you don't tell me what you're thinking or you're not open about it. Um, you know, it just creates issues later on. So unless you're communicating something to me, I assume there's no issues. And I assume that we're aligned. Um, and then the other thing just with the team it's not so much like what's our schedule of like team calls and how do you manage small groups and different, different things like that. I think, and it's, it's become a fun thing when anyone wants to present an idea, whether it's Kevin and I or the team bring something to the table, we have this thing where we call it, you have to create believability. 
and it's become such a fun part of the culture to Kevin's point, it gives everybody a really big say within the company. It's never, ever Kevin and I just saying, Hey, go do this. Um, and the idea is that, you know, if we want to present an idea or a strategy, either for a product, a new campaign, anything, you have to get believability amongst the team or the small group of people that are involved in executing that decision. I'll just use a simple example of, um, we could just say a product launch um, and why we want to launch a product. And essentially you have, the whole team or whoever's involved in that decision-making process has to buy into the idea that this is the best path forward uh, for X, Y, and Z reasons. And if you bring an idea to the table, you better be ready to defend them. Um, and really just what comes out of that is you get such better buy-in from the whole team. Um, you also get to really round out your idea because you get everybody weighing in on it and poking holes in it. And ultimately you get the best idea or, we all realize the idea sucks and we're just going to kill it there and move on from it. Um, and it really, it's, it's like one of those fun things like people look forward to having these thoughtful disagreements, thoughtful arguments, arguments within the team, because it's, uh, it's kind of like a badge of honor to, to try to push a, an idea forward and then being humble and, you know, putting your ego aside, like if everybody hates your idea, okay, like let's just move on. <laughs> yeah. So there's going to obviously be some of that as well. Uh, you know, undoubtedly, and you're never going to agree yeah. on everything. Exactly. The company either for you guys as well in the last two years i know starting a company is obviously so tremendously difficult but what have you enjoyed most in the last few years of growing this company i'd like to hear each of you and what you think i think one of the, the best things you can have in life is to be able to be around people that you want all the time so i think matt and i having the ability to hire great people and bring them into the business is super super exciting and like i said rewarding and fulfilling so i think there's never been a time in my career, in my personal life, where I get to be around people that I want to be around every day. Um, yeah. That's really like, that's kind of to me what life is all about. Like even in your, you know, your personal life aside and your family, like you get the opportunity to do that. But to have that Monday through Friday is really something really cool. Um, so that's been super rewarding. And I would also just say like, like learning so much. I think I'm like a generally a very, very curious person. And I ask a lot of questions and I, I always have. And to, I knew we wanted to do something like this, but I didn't know that I would learn so much about things that I didn't necessarily know. Um, and through that, I've like, there's, I've realized that there's just going to be so much more over the next handful of years that, um, you know, knowledge I'm going to be able to absorb through the company and through the interaction with great people that we have. Uh, there's, I could go on and on. There's so many great people at times. I will also say it's like a, it's a lonely endeavor in a lot of ways. I think it's a lot of people think, oh, like this is, you know, it's a venture back company and the brand's so beautiful. You have all these great professional athletes using the products, um, which is really, really cool and super rewarding and exciting. But um, there's a lot of like, you know, work and time and energy and things you don't want to do behind the scenes, you know, create. It, that are hard and make it are really, really time consuming. Um, so it's yeah. hard, but I would, I wouldn't trade it for anything else ever. We're really lucky. Yeah. The first thing Kevin said, I'll just piggyback off of too, which is really just one of the most rewarding things is just like the journey of it all. There's been so many highs and lows to it too. It hasn't just been this just, you know, fun sailing off into the, you know, sunset kind of <laughs> thing. Like there's some really challenging, frustrating, difficult times. And, to Kevin's point, you know, you're in the jungle, you're on, you're in the boat rowing the direction of the great group of people who are all bleeding the beam blue and wanting the same thing. And you're all dealing with the same shit and the highs and the lows, the good times and bad times together. Um, and the cool part is like, whether it's like, you know, we're heads down for two months launching a big, you know, product launch, a new brand partner, you know, doing something big within the company. It's like the second that happens, it's just run to the next thing. And you just, you keep evolving this journey that you're on together. And, um, you know, Kevin and I, you know, joke about how much to his point, how much we've learned. And, you know, if we do this again together, you know, the next one would be so different. Nothing will ever be like beam again. If we, you know, are ever to start a company again, just the amount of stuff that, we, that we've learned. And so this will always just be unique. I, you know, it always, I think for everybody in the team hold a special place in their heart of just, you know, this will be, you know, like the whole experience of it all will be worth so much more than like hopefully the great outcome that we have with it. Um, and that part is, you know, again, when you, uh, you know, think of what's going on in the world, you know, Kevin and I, to his point, like sometimes people think like, Oh, like how did you, you did, you did this overnight? Like how did this happen so quickly? And, you know, we just say like, no, it actually took us like the last decade, you know, really since we, even within sports, like had we not gotten our teeth kicked in and taken a few off the chin during sports and, 
yeah. you know, everything from retiring to what we did now, like those are all incredibly, incredibly valuable things that have allowed us to do the things that we're doing, you know, understanding leadership and team building, but also just perseverance and just executing and stuff. And, um, you know, again, you look at what's going on in the world, they just, it's great to be able to say, I literally wouldn't want to be doing anything else, uh, right now at this moment. Um, and, and I think that's really just to get, you know, that's, I don't know what else, what more you can ask for to have that type of feeling towards something. We're lucky that again, like we're, we're on this thing with a bunch of people who all are aligned with that same feeling. Yeah. And, and there's a lot I could ask around, uh, even just you being former athletes, uh, as, as well. And, and, one thing I want to know is, is with this company, as you're building this, it's all consuming. Uh, I imagine as most startups are, but how do you then recharge outside of work? Um, <laughs> it's a good question. It certainly doesn't sound like recharging, but it's also like uh, I, I've done a, a few Ironmans and I do a lot of long distance cycling and, and running. Um, so I, I guess in a counter. I, counterintuitive way that that's how i recharge by putting myself Love it. <laughs> casual I, I do this is this sounds a little bit more but i've said this a bunch of times i think more people need to <laughs> i try to do something to suffer every day to like put yourself in some type of physical pain because it gives you perspective and not like obviously you know that type of physical pain yeah, but yeah, yeah. and so you know like a hard workout or crossfit or whatever it is because um it makes it it just i my head clear, comes out clear on the other side and gives you perspective uh, throughout the yeah. rest of the day. So I recharge by suffering. I'm the, I'm the same. Um, I'm not, you know, sometimes I'll, I, I try to hang with Kevin on some endurance stuff. Um, <laughs> certainly I kind of go in waves with it, but for me, I try to, I follow some uh, difficult CrossFit training programs and stuff. And so I try this the same thing, just in more of a CrossFit type of workout is just really push myself and through that process, I always just feel like I'm feeling more energized, more creative, um, and everything. So again, to Kevin's point, it might not sound like going on, you know, away for a weekend, completely shutting off in the world. I try to do that every now and then. Um, but I also think like we're big proponents too. Like we're not, we're not pushing the idea of you need to stay up late, wake up early and just grind it out. Like we really believe in sleep and we're taking care of your body and all of those things too. So it's not just to go kill yourself 24 seven. We understand the importance of recovery. For the the more daily recharging comes from comes from workouts. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just gonna say, how ironic would it be if you're if you're running a wellness company and not taking care of yourself? I mean, that's just exactly. like no believability on that side, and it can be so difficult, obviously. But like that's, it seems like you know core of what you believe in, obviously, with starting this company, and that I like hearing how people kind of recharge or find something out of that. I, I do like Kevin. You mentioned kind of suffering every day of like. For familiar like David Goggins and people like that who are always pushing it and stuff, and like it is something to be said for pushing yourself physically to then be be able to perform mentally at your best. Um, and there's something with that for sure, mm -hmm. and I've noticed that across a number of different high performers, a lot of them do something physical uh, in some capacity to help them on their kind of mental strain every day of of growing a company. And and one of the last things I just want to ask about, always I'm curious uh, uh, for each of you. Any particular books that stand out, business or professional, that have been impactful for you? Yeah, we're both Matt and I are, are big readers. Actually, I just finished um, is it No Rules Rules by Reed Hastings. That was a cool read. And I, yeah. Uh, just the culture at Netflix, I think, you know, they probably get scrutinized for some of those things, but just <laughs> they're, they're, the candor that they have uh, is definitely something we, we have at Beam. Um, and I love all of Ryan Holiday's books. Like the obstacle is the way is probably my favorite. And, you know, everybody on the team gets a copy of it when they join the team. Um, there's, we've, I think Matt alluded to this. We've had a lot of problems come our way. Uh, and regardless of what the problem is, like if you really take a, a good perspective on it, there's an opportunity in it. Um, so I think uh, that that's a great one. All of Ryan Holiday stuff with the obstacle is, is the way is probably my favorite. Yeah, I agree with Ken. And I, and I also, we're often reading the same book at the same time, either just by coincidence or we just <laughs> recommend it to the other person. So I'm finishing up No Rules Rules, which is a great book. Um, I'm a huge Ray Dalio fan, so I love his book Principles. Um, yeah. And it's it's just so interesting because he really just sets out. And it's interesting, I was talking to Kevin about it because he's read Principles as well. And, you know, you read No Rules Rules, and it's pretty much the same stuff. It's just worded differently. And so you start to see, you know, these common themes between great business leaders. Um, you know, 
they usually are very aligned in how they think and how they act. So there's, you know, often successfully use clues so you can read things like that and learn a lot from them. Um, but Ray Dalio's principles, um, like <laughs> I quote and reference it a lot in the, in the context of Beam and talking to people. Um, but for me, that's just like, it sets a great foundation for how, to Kevin's point, you know, things will happen. Um, and it's just how you deal with them and you learn from them and things happen again. And then you have a set of principles to deal with them. And it's just, oh, it's another one of those. And it really creates a great framework of how you can build a lasting company, but also just, you know, build your professional and your personal life. Uh, before you have, I'll add one, one other one. I love uh, fiction, uh, history books and Ooh. Midnight in Chernobyl, I just finished, which is the, uh, this is kind of a, Again, crazy topic. My wife's like, why are you reading this stuff before you go to bed? But it's, uh, it's the inside account of like what really happened. Um, oh. Blew up and it's just like such a crazy story. So, well, I that do- documentary was amazing if you saw it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The show, oh, yeah. Or, the show on HBO was really something. The show on HBO, yeah. I mean, that was amazing. And that was, uh, and just to echo two things you guys had mentioned. One with the principles note, I, I, I saw Ray Dalio speak at Summit LA last year and uh, was definitely mm-hmm. blown away. I'd seen his stuff before and seeing him in person was, uh, I mean, yeah, there's so much with, with how they run their company at Bridgewater that's just interesting to look at, incredible to kind of think through a little bit differently and how they operate. And then even on the Ryan Holiday note as well, Kevin had mentioned, like I have the Daily Stoic under my mic right now. I read it every day because uh, it's such a reminder for how to live and uh, especially mm-hmm. as you're going through challenges and things that are difficult on a day-to-day basis, whatever it is, there's so much perspective you can get from people, even from, you know, from people these thousands of years ago, whatever it was, that just are time- timeless. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to look at that. And and where can people go to learn more about Beam and connect with you guys as well? So our website is beamtlc.com. TLC is in tender love and care. We used to have a, a saying of no THC, just TLC early on. So that's where that came from. <laughs> um, and then our Instagram is just at Beam. So B-E-A-M. And then my personal Instagram is Matt Lombardi 24. And I'm Kevin Moran 20, uh, 34. Awesome. I will be sure to link those all up as well. Show notes at justgogrind.com slash podcast. Matt and Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, man. That was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.